0: Ever wanted a career in football? From TV deals to player transfers, football is now a global multi-billion dollar industry in need of qualified professionals who know the sport inside and out. Brought to you by the Global Institute of Sport, the masters of football business is delivered by experts from Australia and around the world. Learn online with unique access to networking and guest speaker events at the iconic MCG. Be one of the first Australians to get a football master's degree. Apply now to start in February 2022. Learn more at gis.sport/fnr. gis.sport/fnr. In our final segment today, we want to bring on one of Australia's premier football journalists, Vince Rigari. Welcome back to FNR.
1: Evening, guys. How are you?
0: Uh, we're doing well, mates. Uh, how are you? Because the A-League has been a vexatious league to cover recently with all of the COVID cancellations and uh, and fixture changes. Have you been uh, enjoying a bit of time off from the, the match beat?
1: Uh, yeah, sort of. It's been, I felt lost, to be honest. It's very weird and unsettling to not know when things are on and all that sort of stuff. I, I was somewhat lucky. I had two weeks off over Christmas. So it was only the last sort of week and a bit that I've, I um, actually felt the full force of all these post moments, but like I just I just hate it. And what I hate more than it is just I just want a list of all the football matches that are happening next in Australia. I just want a long list that keeps getting updated that is easy to follow. No one can provide me with this list. I'm very disappointed.
2: <laughs> it only came out today, didn't it? this, this, uh, this week's a league round came out what, today or yesterday so find out how many games are coming up and who's playing who and the rest of it. It sounded like it yeah, was a bit of a... It
1: felt like they've just put the whole thing on shuffle, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm sure there's there's rhyme and reason behind why they've done things they have, but just looking at it without my head in the game of the APL and what they're looking at, it just looks like literally just random random fixtures shuffle, et cetera.
2: We talked off air about Perth Glory having not played for a long, long time. They play tomorrow and then they've got to back it up and play on Saturday night as well.
1: Yeah, I'm sure Daniel Sturridge will be completely fine throughout all that as well. Yeah, it's, it seems like the perfect way to, to bring him into the A-League, right?
2: Yeah. But um, how's he going to go at Redcliffe, you reckon? That's a, how's that going to rank in terms of stadiums for him that he's uh, over his career?
1: Yeah, probably towards the lower end, although to be fair to the uh, the Redcliffe Dolphins, it's not a bad little ground there, but I reckon for for Mr. Sturridge it's going to feel like the, the, the fifth round of the FA Cup or something like that, you know? Like... Uh, And and I dare say it's going to be pretty empty on a Wednesday night too. So hopefully the Royal fans can get out there. It'll be great fun um, seeing him actually have a run around because watching him in that first glory game where he did get on on the park, you know, like people have their opinions about marquee signings and whatnot. And is that something the A-League should do? But you can't argue with, you know, when a guy with a profile of Sturridge gets on the field and a city has a full week or two to get excited about it, sell tickets... I mean, there's nothing like it. We're probably not going to feel that same vibe tomorrow night for obvious reasons. Um, but I hope that Sturridge can get a bit of a, a run on here. and I think he's got some games coming up in Sydney in the next few weeks too, which um, I know there's a lot of Liverpool fans in Sydney who will come out of the woodwork to see him.
2: That's good. How many minutes do you think he'll get tomorrow night?
1: <laughs> this is like a, it's like a raffle show, <laughs> trying to pick that one. Like it's, it's like a, I feel like it, the, the correct way to go would be single digits, yep. I think. Any, anything more than that is probably a little bit ambitious.
0: What's the over-under, seven?
1: Yeah, 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 I'd say something like that, yeah.
0: So it, it's hard given the sample size that we've had, the small sample size. We've seen the most of, of Sydney, uh, Brisbane and Wellington. Uh, City and victory up the uh, the top end of the table as well. Uh, which team have you been surprised by pleasantly this season so far, Vince? Uh,
1: look, uh, I've... I... Newcastle was almost a cliched answer mm. at this point. Everyone, even though it's felt like about three years since we've last seen them play, um, they were so good in the early parts of the season. So I've been really impressed by them, although surprised, maybe not. Like, I knew it was going to be a rocks or diamonds type season for them, but I had a feeling there was going to be something brewing there. So that is not so much surprising. Well, you know who has been surprising to me, and I feel like we haven't talked about them a whole lot, mostly because they've only played five games. Um, but the Mariners, like... Um, I think they've been really good. I think, you know, we go into every season almost expecting the Mariners to finish bottom and we expected them to bottom out again this season. Um, like, especially after Stage went and, and, and a few other key players who were in that team that did so well last season left as well. But um, I've been really impressed by them, I think, uh, and from memory. And again, I'm going to the back reaches of my memory here because these games are so long ago. But I feel like in one of the one or two of the games they lost that maybe they deserved more out of them and i just feel like there's some really good exciting young players who have got some serious futures in the game in that team like um i'm super impressed with jacob farrell at left back i think he's very very close to being the league's best left back already um i think he's got a massive future in front of him the kid just looks unflappable i think uh harry Stewart in midfield looks great um Look, there's and a couple of the imports that they've that, that, that brought in. Um, Maresh has shown a couple of signs, has he? Maybe, or is that maybe my, my memory failing me after so long? Uh,
0: I, I he hasn't convinced me yet, Vince. I think he had one good game where he scored, and uh, I don't know, he's he's flipped flitted in and out. I think Cy Goddard, you know, certainly in the sort of first halves of games, he seemed to run out of steam in the second half, but uh, he, he looks a tidy player at least.
1: Yeah, Urania's taken a step up, um, mm-hmm. Nisbet. Is just uh, people, if Nisbet plays for one of the bigger clubs, I think we'd hear a lot more talk about him. I think he is an incredibly tidy footballer, again, with a massive future in front of him. I like seeing him in the hole, doing things where he can use his sort of small stature, small turning circle, um, good close control to his advantage. And um, Bazanik is just, you know, still one of the league's best midfielders. Like I, I like what they're doing out there. I like that there's young kids who are being mm. brought into the team and, and acquitting themselves well, like Hall at centre-back. I think done pretty well, too, for a guy who's just been thrown in there, uh, where Ron Tong should be playing. Um, all in all, I think when you think about the Mariners, you think about what we expected after the departures from last season and just the general nature of that club, the owners, the stuff we heard last year about Mike Charlesworth wanting to sell the club and relocate them to bloody North Sydney, all the shenanigans that, revolve around the Mariners, I don't think... I certainly didn't expect them to have been as good as they have this season. Now, granted, they've only played five games. So, you know, this could all change very soon. But I I, I like what they're doing out there.
0: Talking of Nisbet, I think we've seen the kind of upside for a player like him in Cammy Devlin, who's won, uh, won over hearts and minds, if you don't mind the pun, over in Scotland. Uh, you wrote about him recently and, and chatted to him as well. Do you think he's in the frame for the Socceroos coming into this international break? And and who else do you think we could see break into the squad?
1: I um, will be shocked and disappointed if he's not in the squad. Um, I don't think we have many midfielders who are or defensive midfielders who are playing that well, that consistently. I know it's probably only a dozen or so games he's played for heart, but, I mean, you just sense that the kid's got levels in him. Ange saw it. Ange told him after the game that you've got levels in you. Um, after that Celtic game, where there was that great picture in the article that I wrote from uh, from the Hearts club photographer out there, it was a great little snapshot of um, of Australian football in Scotland. There, um, <laughs> I, I'd have him. I'd have him starting. To be honest, um, uh, jego has been okay. Irvine has been. I certainly prefer Irvine further up the field for the Socceroos, or coming off mm-hmm. the bench in an impact role, um, bombing on into the box late and all that sort of stuff. I think Devlin next to either you know Aaron Moy or um, Aiden Truex sounds feels like a great midfield for me for um for the soccerers for these coming games. I think we need a blood Devlin into the international arena soon. In terms of other players who will come into the squad from outside the sort of names that we've seen in the last couple of windows, it's it's slim pickings. I feel like I mean I feel like this is the group that we've got at the moment, and I'm not sure who who can come in and and do a job. But one name I will throw out there that I don't think really has been in the conversations at all: Ben Halleran. Now I know he's just left the A League, um, and I know he's not played a game yet for his new team. I don't think, but um, I've always liked him for Adelaide United. He's he's he, you know he 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 does things out in the wing that, I mean you look at the wingers that the Socceroos have used in recent times. And our Bill, I don't think he's been playing regular regular football in Denmark. Hmm. Chris O'Connor-Meadies has been, I think in and out of the setup, right, and, and and also struggling to put together some regular minutes at least for the Socceroos. And I just think Halloran. For a while has been a pretty good player and earned a move to Japan off the back of his form. Deserves a look in, maybe, for the squad. I'm just trying to think of ways we can rejuvenate what felt at times like a pretty stale selection of players last year and a stale way of playing. Obviously, things need to change up. And I think, you know, uh, Graham Arnold's probably spent, you know, the past couple of weeks trying to figure out what he can do in this in this upcoming camp to change things up. But I think a couple of fresh faces, a couple of guys like Devlin, Halloran, et cetera, will help do that for him.
2: Has Ben Halloran been around in the squad much since, the, since Ange had him in 2014? I don't think – has he been called into any camps?
1: I don't think so. Off the top of my head, I, I, I don't think so, and I find that to be borderline criminal. Yeah, like, I- Not that the guy is a world beater, but like in terms of consistent wingers in the A-League, uh, you'll struggle to find too many better ones. Well, in the this, last couple of years, you know?
2: That's it. And he's playing. That's the thing. He's playing minutes. So we don't have too many guys overseas that are playing the regular minutes that you'd want to put into the national team.
1: For sure. The, the other thing that's good for him as well, though, is that he's not going to... You'd hope he wouldn't need an adjustment period for international football. Yeah. Guys uh, played at a World Cup, right? Yeah, correct. We, uh, we forget that, you know? So that, that was a long time ago. I mean, we're getting up to bloody eight years ago. But yeah. the guy has World Cup experience. So he's the kind of guy who I feel even if it hasn't been so long for him in the squad, like it's been ages since he was last picked, you could throw him in there now and it'd, it'd sort of find his feet, I would like to think anyway.
0: I think it's a good point, Vince, because, I mean, think about it. Who's had a better A-League season? Uh, Matt Leckie, Andrew Naboo, or Ben Halloran? I think I'd pick Ben Halloran out of the, the three of them.
1: I would too. And look, Leckie needs to be in the squad for sure, just mm-hmm. because hes, uh, he's the, we don't have many players of that calibre slash class. But I think one of the things that Graham Arnold said in that piece with um, Andrew Webster, one of my colleagues at the SMH, just before Christmas, after after Bosler gave him both barrels a couple of times <laughs> on Stan FC. Yeah, with you got yeah. the plug in there, which was good. Yeah. Um, uh, Arnie said, "I want to see my players playing regular, but the most important thing is that our guys play regular football, um, you know, over the Christmas break and early January and whatever." And so I would like to think that if you're saying that. You can't just then go and pick the same players who have been in your squad. You have to pick a couple of guys who have done exactly what you said and, you know, perform consistently and regularly. Um, so uh, the, the squad's going to be fascinating. I think it's going to be coming out on Friday. That's what I was told. That's what they're aiming for. And it's going to be super interesting to see, yeah, who's made the cut for Arnie and the sort of group he wants mm. to take forward for these, you know, crucial four games that are coming up for us.
2: Now Vince, I read your your interview with Bruce Gitay about Riley McGree's move to um, Middlesbrough. Um did he choose them over Celtic purely on money, do you think? What was the what was the basis of that?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a tough one. Um and you just don't know unless you're Riley McGree and you've had the mm. conversation that he has. So we're all we're all guessing to some degree. Yeah. Um
2: it, Well the guess it was about twice as much, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I think one of the factors is that the, I think the transfer fee was a lot higher. So Middlesbrough, I think, would have would have accepted that, and if personal terms were acceptable, then it just, then it just goes ahead, right? Like, yeah. um, it's been a while since my last football manager said, but I remember that seems to be the process. Um, yeah, look, it's it was a, it was a, I think it was like there was, there's so many merits in, in either one. Like, obviously, Middlesbrough is is a pretty big club for a second tier club. They're in a good position in terms of pursuing Premier League football. It's a lot of games in the championship every year. Chris Wilder is a good manager. If they're shelling out that sort of money for him, it shows that they're actually... You know, you're know, you not going to spend that, that many million dollars on a bloke if you're not going to play him, right? Yep. If you're just going to put him on the bench and let him rot. So they have plans for him. The question is, and uh, I'll, I'll plug Stansport FC again here because Fozzie made a good point about this yesterday. The flip side of that, of going to Celtic, is, is not just the fact that it's Celtic and you're playing in front of 50,000 most weeks, and it's not just the fact that Anch cogler is the manager, and therefore you know that you're going to be playing under a guy who will find things in you that you probably didn't think were there. You know, like those is those are two major things that are important to remember when you think about the Celtic side of this equation. Um, the other one was that he'll be playing in Europe, playing regularly for trophies, and you've got to balance that against what's possible at Borough. Because if, if Borough weren't to get promoted this year, who knows what next season looks like. The championship is a very, very um, in terms of what one season looks for the next, it can be it can be mm. you know changed quite quite a bit, like Borough might find themselves mid-table next year or or whatever. And so the risk there is if you don't find a way out of a club like Middlesbrough quickly, you might find yourself stuck there mm. versus a couple of good seasons at Celtic, clubs are gonna come for you all over Europe. So I think it was basically a 50-50 call as far as the information that I can see and know without having had those conversations, as I said. Yep. I don't think money would have been the only thing because he's so young and so got so much in front of him. But um, I certainly wouldn't have liked to have been rightly in agree when I told Ange Prostokoglian <laughs> no, because that right. would have been a tough conversation. It would have been.
0: It sounded like a slightly passive-aggressive swing at him that Ange took, like, oh, if they don't want to be here, I mean, it's pointless having the conversation, <laughs> kind of classic grumpy Ange in a press conference stuff. Oh, as a counterpoint to that, how often would McGree have played at Celtic? We don't know what Postacogli would have promised him was possible, but seeing the form of the Japanese midfielders that uh, have been brought in this window, and Iniguchi and Hatate apparently started like a house on fire for Celtic. Then there's David Turnbull, who, when he comes back from injury, would usually start. Tom Rogic, like there's a lot of competition for those midfield spots at Celtic. So I don't know how often Riley McGree would have been playing against them, you know, quality opposition. He looked to be more of a rotation option, whereas at Middlesbrough, they play with the the same formation that that Birmingham City did. That you know, in limited minutes, Rylan McGree so impressed as the sort of third man runner behind two strikers and arriving late in the box. That it seems like he, he maybe has more opportunity for regular minutes at Middlesbrough than for Celtic, where he might have been more of a pinch hitter.
1: Well, yeah, that you've reminded me of two more factors, one on each side of the fence. You know, one of them is Middlesbrough is a league that he already plays. In. You know, so he knows it well, there is no adjustment required there. Like, it's continuity. And the other factor, probably in favour of Middlesbrough, but on the Celtic side of the equation, is you're completely right. I My initial thought was, where does he fit at Celtic? Um, and then um, some of the many uh, Twitter followers I've recently gained from Scotland uh, threw in their two cents and told me that they'd find room for him, that, that Turnbull and Rogic are injured semi-regularly. They play cup games. They play... Europe, et cetera, et cetera. And it is a pretty long season in Scotland too. So they would they were arguing that um, he would get his minutes. And, and I think the other thing that you've also got to factor in on both sides of the equation here is at some point as a player, you've got to back yourself too. You've got to say, yeah. okay, if this coach is offering me a starting spot or this coach is offering me an opportunity off the bench or rotation or whatever, then I've got to decide I know I'm good enough. So what they're putting on the table right now is not what they're going to be putting on the table once they've seen you play five, six, seven games. You know, um, all of this though is is somewhat moot, as I said. That uh, you know we don't know those conversations and, and the factors. And look, I'd, I look forward to hearing from Riley at some point in the in the next week or so, because I would imagine he too is going to be in that Socceroos squad. And to be honest, um, I'd really think about starting here him or putting him somewhere very, very like as one of the first subs off the bench because I think one of the things that Arnie hasn't been doing in the last few windows is picking players who are high on confidence and high on form. Um, I would have definitely had McGree more involved in that, that Saudi Arabia game because he was coming off a really, really hot spell for Birmingham, the the, the spell that made mm. you know those fans fall in love with him and wanted to wanted to wanted to sort of kidnap him so that they couldn't fly out to the US <laughs> and that sort of thing. Yeah. So I just reckon we don't have such a such an embarrassment of riches in the Socceroos where i feel like you just have to pick a player who's playing that well at that moment because you just you never know that you know assuming they fit into your system and what you want them to do on the field you might just get that extra little boost that you get sometimes from players who are, who are red hot got that confidence flowing so mcgree you know if we're going to talk about fresh faces in the Socceroos coming up i know he's been involved but i'd like to see him more more involved certainly in the next window
0: Last thing before we let you go, Vince, AFC Champions League draw has been made. Uh, obviously there are playoffs for Sydney and an as yet unnamed FFA Cup winning team or you know, highest finisher behind Sydney if they win it. Uh, but Melbourne City have been, in my view, gifted with uh, one of the softest draws possible considering they were coming out of pot four. Uh, BG, Pathum United from Thailand, Johnham Dragons of South Korea and United City of the Philippines, which on paper looks like a pretty favourable group. Given that Australia has fallen behind Thailand in the coefficient, given that we're going to only have one automatic spot uh, next year and desperately need to climb back up those rankings, how important is it that Melbourne City make the most of this draw?
1: Super important. And especially because Melbourne City feels like a team, you know, that that, that could do well in Asia. Like, that, you know, I know this, this season they haven't started as, you know, as well as what many of us expected. I think, you know, COVID going through pretty much the entire squad has got a lot to do with that. But, like, you know, there were times last season when Melbourne City were playing just some really scintillating football and it felt like this is, to me at least, it felt like football that would hold up in Asia. Potentially, it was it was methodical um, and, and it was just, uh, it was cutting through A-League defences at will at, at times. And you look at this group and you think, if Melbourne City can bring their best to this group, and there's no reason why they can't finish second, if not top. You know? um, we should be expecting... I mean, United City FC, worst name in world football, but they <laughs> used to be Cerros Negros, who obviously beat Brisbane Raw in that infamous number-peeling game a few mm. years ago. Um, the Raw should have won that game. So, I mean, City should be expecting to beat United City FC. Tell you what, I would hate to be writing a match report for United City FC versus Melbourne City, because which team are you referring to as City? That's a nightmare. I, I reckon you just um, go then, with
0: look, UFC, or UCF, actually, versus <laughs> CFJ. Maybe you just go full acronyms.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and look, uh, I can't say I've watched a whole heap of Korean or Thai football in recent times, but, I mean, I, I'm assuming a strong A-League team should be able to compete with strong Thai teams, and um, and we know from history that we can jag ones over, uh, over Korean teams from time to time. I, I think City should be really, really excited for it, and I think Australian football fans should be, uh, swallowing the instinct that wants them to see City football group teams fail because it is in Australia's best interest, as you said, Josh, that, uh, that City do well here for our coefficient.
0: Well, I'm sure there'll be no victory fans, uh, you know, cheering against City because for the good of Australian football, they need to, no, never going to happen. <laughs> they, they will delight in any uh, shout and vote possible if, if City fail. Uh, Vince, we've got to let you go and wrap the show up, but thank you so much for making the time to join us here on the Oz Football Hour.
1: Pleasure as always, guys. Take it easy. Talk Thanks, to you Vince.